niggas just be jaundiced sometimes, bro. Seasons, greetings, and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Come on in and stay a while. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer. Pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with a perspective we've all gained from our varying walks of life, as varied as they may be, and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. Joining me this winter evening is the Superfly Space Guy, Mac. Happy Christmas. The gore lover, Alexis. Hey, everyone. The cowardly creeper, Ryan. Ho, ho, hiya. And the scream queen, Paris. Santa Claus is dead. This week, we're taking a look at the remake of a classic Christmas slasher. But before we get to those festivities and break out Santa's cookies, we have some follow-up. So we recently reviewed a movie called Saw 3. And if you remember, our friend Jordan joined us for that episode with all of their lovely insight into the franchise. Um, But, you know, we wanted to hear from more than just Jordan. So we asked our friends on social media what they thought. This, to me, feels right. Uh, 33% of our... Friends gave it a hack, and 76% gave it a slash. Trends right for social media. Now we have a couple comments from our friends, including Spencer, who said, For some reason, Saw 3 holds a special place in my heart. It was the only one I was able to see in theaters, and I think the traps are some of their best. Love it, Spencer. And then on the contrary, we have Rob, who said, Honestly, I'm not a fan of the franchise. I thought the first two were okay, but didn't like anything after that. I think it was Chris who pointed out that three went away from the central idea of the first two, and I think that was a bad choice. And I feel like that is a pretty fair critique of the of the third one. My man. I feel like Saw is one of those things where you are so far into it or just so far out of it. You'd rather be in it. <laughs> to be fair, I'd rather not be in it, honestly. Do you guys remember that sequel to Aladdin where it's like the Prince of Thieves and it has yes. his father and he's like, are you in or out? Yes, I do. This is that franchise. There was a sequel to Aladdin? Yeah. Many. I've wow. never seen Aladdin. Yeah, there's also Lion King 1, 2, 1 and a half. I have seen Lion King, but wow. Aladdin. I got the gist. There's I was more of a Beauty and the Beast kind of sequel girl. Oh, yeah, there's sequels to that too. Yeah, so we'll do a side podcast, all the unknown uh, shitty sequels to Disney movies. Like Little Mermaid 2, where you find out that Ursula had a skinny, hotter sister. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Named Morgana, no less. Oh. Anyway, that's our follow-up. All right, well, on to more horror-related things. Over on Patreon, we released an episode of The Rewind, where just about everyone here besides Ryan and I experienced the 1974 classic Black Christmas for the very first time. I won't spoil the fun for that episode, but I will say this. It's available for all of our patrons, including that $1 tier, and a common desire from everyone but me was to have a better understanding of the killer's backstory. Well, you asked for it. You brought it upon yourself. So here we have it. Brace for backstory. This week, we're talking about the 2006 remake of Black Christmas. Except this time, it's spelled Xmas because it's edgy. (laughs) (laughs) Who has seen this before? You know, Chris, I too was very edgy in 2006. And I actually saw this movie in theaters, mostly because Michelle Trachtenberg was in it. Wow. So edgy. So maybe I don't edge as often as you do, but this is my first time seeing this film. And I just heard you guys talk about it, but that's about it. Yeah, the poster for this movie looks very familiar. I have seen um, the 1974 version for the Rewind, but um, other than that, I'm not really familiar with this franchise at all. 
Yeah. So I was uh, in sixth grade in 2006. So I definitely didn't see this in theaters. I'm not even that young, but you guys make me feel so young. I hadn't seen this. I, of course, had already seen the previous and the newer one. Um, So this one was the one in the middle and uh, it was like a middle stepchild, you could say. This one that I did also see in theaters when it came out. My family and I felt a lot of anticipation for it. So the original Black Christmas is one of my all-time favorite films, and it's a favorite in my family. Now, before this, there was radio silence on this franchise, right? It wasn't even a franchise yet. It was just a singular movie. It was a movie that was like growing in cult popularity because it aged so well as a slasher. And everyone was like, oh, shit, this one thing started it all. Now, keep in mind that there was never another movie starring Billy before this. There was no comeback for Jess. The idea of finally getting to experience this again was, in some ways, even more thrilling to me than when I found out they were remaking Halloween in 2007, because I had already gotten years of fixes with a lot of Michael Myers movies. So this remake was an opportunity to put a classic film back on the map and make it relevant to a modern audience. But for those of you who hadn't seen this before, what were you expecting going into it? You know, I got to be honest here. If you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you're expecting the same thing as me, which is to hate this movie because of Chris. Because (laughs) all you've ever heard Chris do is trash the 2006 version of Black Christmas. Which means Paris will probably like it. Yeah. Well, wait, listen, Chris, if you recall, this movie actually has a special place in my heart only for the fact that it's one of the first things that brought you and I together. Oh. I remember I walked into the break room one day. I saw your horror is for everyone sticker. And I said, oh, you like horror movies? We started talking and then we bonded over how we both remember this movie being very shitty. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is a a very fond memory. How delightful. Thanks for bringing that back. (laughs) I feel like I can't even remember working with you in a physical space. Yeah, it was so long ago. Yes. I was um, expecting this to have that, you know, as Chris would say, edginess (laughs) um, to the original because I had seen that for the rewind um, recently and... I was expecting to have this, you know, Texas Chainsaw, these all these other remakes that came out in the early 2000s, which I honestly was kind of a fan of. But yeah, so I just thought it would have this like updated version of this movie. Yeah, there's a certain je ne sais quoi about remakes from the 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. There Whether is. that be good or bad. Yeah, I mean, 2000s, I'm thinking like soap opera storylines, grittiness, a lot more gore, and then some classic like WB slash CW actors. Agree. I was just thinking yep. CW actors and you said it, Mac. Hey, don't get down on CW. CW has some great shit. But that's like the vibe of a 2000s remake. That's true. Okay, so lofty expectations or maybe the bar was extremely low. But how did you all feel while you were watching it? I like to say I felt very surprised at how fast this started um, and how quickly it turned on and how it stayed and had the same momentum throughout this entire movie. To me, there were no lulls. Um, so I kind of was anxious the entire time. I was waiting for, you know, there's like some sort of like climactic part towards the end, but there, it was just like that to me consistently. And I think it was because of the, um, we'll talk about it later, but like the deaths, um, it, they were just like sprinkled throughout like a perfect little um, cookie with sprinkles so, on it. Just to clarify, you had climax the entire time. <laughs> if you know me, yes, I did. Uh, and that's why I said I was surprised. You know, I, I don't really know what I felt during this. I, I know that sounds dumb, But there is a lot going on and you kind of have it right. Like it's like a car. You start the car and then it just keeps going there. It really doesn't slow down at all in this movie. And um, I I felt overwhelmed at points. 
I think that's the best way I could say it. I feel like that's totally fair, Ryan, because when I was watching this movie, I felt like it was a lot, you know, especially yeah. compared to having just recently watched the original. I was like, yeah, this this cranked it up to a billion uh, in ways that I don't know anyone asked for. <laughs> we definitely get backstory, which I did ask for. Um it but was yeah, everything it, you asked for. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> actually, the first one, yeah. it really was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I felt like even though I had seen this, I hadn't seen this since 2006. So I have very specific memories of it. Um, and those moments definitely happened. But then there were other things that I didn't remember at all. And I was like, what? Why? Same. Interesting. It's also interesting that you say you're overwhelmed, Ryan and Paris. It sounds like to a, to a degree that you agree. I was actually underwhelmed and I was underwhelmed by what they thought would be tense and frightening. Uh, I was unimpressed by the performances and I was unsatisfied by these like little scraps of moments where they try to pay reverence to the original. And no, you know, no, not even fair. Not even going to say reverence. Uh, I can't say it because it comes across as so crass. It feels more like Black Christmas sacrilege. Oh, there it is. I'm I'm gonna jump on that boat with you, and you know maybe I I think we deserve a bigger boat and more people on it. But there was just a lot of fluff. I honestly was waiting to find out that this had been made for 3D because there was just so many jump scares, like so many jump scares. And I mean, I know we you know we talked about the original film recently. Um, we alluded to this film, you know, having more details, like you've mentioned, Paris. So, I mean, I was I was expecting that. I was just kind of surprised and honestly disappointed by the story that we were given. You know, more details, yes, but the details we got were kind of lackluster. Yeah, I have to agree. And um, to kind of build on what Chris was saying, like, my surprises here were how many of the same things were used throughout this movie. Like, the number of eyeballs that you see in this movie... After and, and it feels like, oh my God, there's a really iconic eyeball in the first movie. We gotta use eyeballs, man. We gotta we gotta get some eyeballs in there. And like there's a there's a unicorn figurine. Like, how many unicorns can we get in this movie? And it's just like, all right, guys, like we get it. Someone has an eyeball. We understand there's a unicorn. We get it. But it, I think like the the biggest surprise was the way they tried to call back to the original for me. And that's a disappointing surprise, not a happy one. That was just a nice surprise to me. I mean, it was an exponential growth of everything I wanted in the first movie. Like gore. I got that times a million. Uh, I got a backstory yeah, times I'm a concerned. million. If anyone's going to be happy with this movie, it's going to be the chick who loves all the gore. Oh, <laughs> you could do like a supercut of just the gore. That would probably make a lot of sense as its own movie. Oh, yeah. It really would. <laughs> it would just be its own like little uh, mini Mini, uh, mini movie, little exploit <laughs> film. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, more like that, I think, than a mini movie. It's kind of like the first movie was like a decently balanced ham sandwich with a little bit of cheese, lightly brushed with mayo on the bread, and then you know this time they were just like, "Here's four pounds of ham. Enjoy. No bread, no mayo, no cheese. Eat four pounds of ham." And I fucking hate ham. You said I you prefer liked Lucy. ham. <laughs> yeah, you know, you want if like cold cuts are great and you want like a piece or two because you're snacking and that's fine. But I didn't ask you to feed me four pounds of ham. That's what you just thought I gave you, though. Well, four I, pounds. All, I, it was literally two slices. Look, I, I, I saw cold cuts. Mac, you are a ham. I'm a ham. I, I saw cold cuts and I don't know. I just assumed ham turkey's fine. It's whatever. But if you were to be like, here, here's a whole like bag of it. I need you to eat that entire bag. I would have been like, please stop. 
Yeah, there's this restaurant here. It's like Route 66 or something oh, like that. Yeah. And those, yep. the corned beef sandwiches, they're just like too much for me sometimes. Oh, yeah. But I have a small mouth and I can't eat anything that like I can't get my jaw to like unhinge for. You know what I mean? Like if it's like of a certain height, then <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. I was going to say mine unhinges, but uh, <laughs> I do have a small mouth. No, I got like TMJ. My jaw will like lock open and it's weird. <laughs> yeah, mile high sandwiches, man. That's that's too much. I don't know why, Chris, but you just said small mouth and it just reminded me of the uh, leech woman from Puppet Master. That's fair. That's an apt comparison. Uh, so as far as surprises go, uh, if you are one of our patrons and you've listened to the Rewind episode for the original Black Christmas, uh, you may recall me uh, talking about Andrea Martin. Um, and I have a, a funny story. When we were talking about Andrea Martin, I didn't realize it was Andrea Martin. Uh, comedic genius, uh, famous Jewish mom, despite she, the fact that she's actually just Armenian. So when I saw this, and I remember Chris was like, oh yeah, she comes back in the in the 2006 version to play the house mother. And I was like, okay, I don't remember that. I don't know who Andrea Martin is. Uh, and I saw her and I was like, oh, that Andrea Martin. So that was a huge surprise to me. I actually texted Chris in the moment and was like, hey, want to hear how dumb of a bitch I am? She's also the aunt in my big fat Greek wedding. And I oh, love she's her in everything. Yeah. She has a huge career. Yeah. She is a classic mom. This movie left such a strong impression on me that uh, I can't say there's much of anything that's surprising. But I do have some disappointments. And I think it's like when you love something as intensely as you love the original Black Christmas, it is natural to have these disappointments. Uh, one of our patrons, Spencer, and I. We're messaging back and forth about the movies uh, pretty recently, all of them in the franchise. And I think what, what it comes down to for me is like this movie doesn't have its own strong identity. It's too all over the place. In some places, it wants to be a gritty, brutal, modern reimagining of the original. And then it points out these small moments because it can't be that original. It points out these small moments for, of, for fans of the original, but then it completely mishandles the moment. The biggest disappointment I have is the total lack of regard for how the women in this movie are handled, the element of the original that was undoubtedly one of its strongest points. In our Rewind episode for the original, we all talked in some shape or form about how great the characters were, you know, some more than others. In this one, we get characters who speak backstories for relationships and other characters. Like, they literally just talk it. They talk about the history. You don't feel it. You don't pick up on it with nuance. And that style of writing is combined with like this overwhelming majority of lackluster performances, which actually, no, that did surprise me because I like every single actress in this movie. I've seen them in other things. I like them a lot. The pieces of the puzzle are there, despite having enjoyed all the work that they've done. They weren't pushed here, or actually they were pushed in a terrible direction, and they had unimpressive material to work with, and that's what hurts. And you know, Chris, that's really the scariest part of this movie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> There's really not much else. I think you get a lot of gore here, but not any of it scared me, and a lot of jump scares, and none of them worked on me. I don't know how you guys feel. Um, yeah, it wasn't like too terribly like, oh, I need to go like make sure all my lights are on, but one of the characters... Their hair is pretty tangly <laughs> in this movie. And oh my God. It's giving me vibes pre cutting my hair the other day because I was like, I ain't having these ends after I watched this movie. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's why I cut my hair. <laughs> Hence why it's in a bun right now. It's bad. I cut it myself. I feel like this is the wrong kind of fear, though. Yeah. I had the wrong kind of fear. I was honestly scared for the filmmakers. Did their careers survive this film? The director? No. Yeah. I'm I'm not surprised because it wasn't really scary. And, uh, you know, like Ryan said, the only things that are scary are like thinking about the film. 
not what happens in the film, but just like thinking about it as a film, that might be scary. The director for this movie, Glenn Morgan, he was a friend of Bob Clark's, loved the original Black Christmas. So he wanted to work with Bob Clark and they wanted to basically take the idea that Bob Clark had for the killer in the backstory and explore that more in a modern movie. This, however, is a movie that uh, suffered from studio interference. And the only thing that's frightening about this movie is the disgusting power the Weinstein brothers had to ruin the remake. This movie isn't just it's it's just not scary. It's gross. It's grimy. But any amount of tension this movie tries to build is spoiled and ruined by its own editing. There are moments where an item is put down and the camera lingers to show you, oh, uh, 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 pay attention. This might not be here in a moment. Or in other cases, ah, you see this totally innocent location where it'd be bonkers if someone poked out right now. Well, yeah, let's, let's look at it together because it's going to happen. Let's linger in this moment, shall we? And it's fucking infuriating. Now, over on our Patreon for bonus content to celebrate this franchise, I actually put together a video that breaks down each of the movies in the franchise and looks at the production of them, the time they were made, and looks at how each entry in the franchise shaped it as a whole. So if you want to hear more about that studio interference, if you want to learn more about the goals this movie had before it was ruined by the Weinstein brothers, Definitely check that out. I'm mad now that I know that this was Weinstein related. Yeah. I do be like that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, while watching it, Chris, you have the you have those moments and they're just so overt and so obvious that it's like painful. Like we we I've joked in the past about characters. We we talk about like mentioning the name of a movie inside of it. And while it didn't happen necessarily, it might as well have happened in this film. I feel like every character <laughs> had those moments where they would be they would be like wouldn't it be bad if someone were to get murdered on this black Christmas? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they basically spent the whole movie saying, but Billy. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do I have to use your same accent? I don't know. Yeah, that's all, all, all of them. Why you do this to me, Billy? Like, didn't you guys see that movie about this house before? Did right. you see the one? <laughs> that's what a movie. I felt here referencing right. for a second. Right. Who has the gift for Billy, the murderer? <laughs> I know all this backstory, but now that there's a strange townie up in here, I'm going to ask you what happened because I've suddenly <laughs> lost all knowledge of the events. Painful moments. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, the, the frustrating thing is that although there are little nuggets in this movie that you can see were well-intended and may have been successful had they been executed properly, this movie doesn't even stand up in terms of originality for me because... All the elements come together in a package that's poorly directed, poorly written, poorly performed, and it feels like another generic 2000 slasher. And it's like you, you have these moments that are so iconic, these quotes that are so iconic from the original, and they fall flat here. And nothing of this feels like it has a soul. That's deep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get where you're coming from. It has like all these things that aren't original, but to me, like, I don't know. And it, and it does seem like a 2000 slasher. I even said that previously, but I don't know. I think to me, it's like that, this really weird, like topsy turvy kind of feeling, um, that I think is kind of original. Also, I don't think I've seen a movie like this where they're like starting off the movie by a kill and like literally like throughout the entire movie, like, you know, just carrying on that. I struggle with this one. I honestly don't have any idea if it is original or not. It, it doesn't feel original, but I think my feelings about the movie overall influence that. So 
I don't know. Yeah, I think it goes back to what Chris said, is that it feels like other movies of the of the same decade in which it was released. It feels like all of them kind of rolled up into one. So honestly, I was kind of expecting that. Like, I, I'm not going to hide and say like, oh, I was thinking maybe it'll be good because the source material is good. I was going in seeing 2006 and thinking it's going to feel like another 2006 movie or a 2008 movie or a 2009 movie. It's all going to be kind of around the same feeling. And it is, it, it doesn't feel original. You know, the first time you have uh, hard liquor probably feels pretty original, but um, <laughs> when you drink enough to puke, it's, you don't appreciate it. Mm, what an interesting analogy, Mac. Yeah. This movie wasn't scary. Um, it's a remake, but it wasn't really original. I think if I'm reaching the choices that they made for the backstory that we get, um, ultimately pretty original. Some stuff I've never seen before, maybe never want to see again. Yeah. And uh, the roots of that, again, come from the original writer of the original film. So it doesn't even count. Yeah. (laughs) It's weird. And yeah, the ending of this movie is one of the things I remembered most. I remembered one kill very specifically from 2006, and I remembered the ending. I remember being so confused by it. It's something Chris and I bonded about that day in the break room, uh, because the ending of this movie is not good. Now, when we talk about ending, are we talking about the end or the end or the end or the end end of the end end? This one has like 12 of them. Yeah, it's like Lord of the Rings all over again. (laughs) I mean, come on. It just drags it on. One more jump scare. How about another? You want another? How about three? How about five? You get another jump scare. You want another one? Here's another jump scare. And maybe there's another jump scare. And nope, the movie's not over yet. Keep waiting for it. And I mean, the mid-2000s, they couldn't let things just be over, could they? That's so true. Yeah. However, I do feel like the ending being what it is fucking strikes a nail into that coffin, so there's no hope of it coming back. So, you know, the whole movie's handled in such a way, right? I'm not saying anything particular about the events. I do think if they chose to to continue, there is certainly opportunity for that. But I feel like the overall gist of the ending combined with just the entire way that this movie plays out, it feels like it's not going to happen again. Like It feels like a one movie production. Yeah, I can't say that I enjoyed the ending, any of them, all of them. There are definitely some specific details that stand out to me and I'm like... Yeah, that doesn't uh, this doesn't really work for me. Didn't really do it for me. Wow, we're all so positive about this movie. Have you noticed? <laughs> I don't have any feelings towards the end. I think because it just was what it was. Because the whole movie was the end for you. It was all climactic. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was very interesting. I don't know. I thought it came to a conclusive ending, um, which you don't get from the first one, which is what I wanted in the first one. So everything, like I said, I'll reiterate everything that I wanted in the first one. I got in the second one exponentially but (laughs) i got it okay well let's see if uh the rest of you are pleased with what you got now take a moment soak in your thoughts consider your ratings before we actually score this movie alexis we know there's more death but exactly how many bodies were in this movie i'm not sure of the hacker math on this but yes there was a very uh big difference between you know the 74 version and this one we have 18 deaths in this movie guys that's high yeah i mean really it seems plausible it seems high for one house full of people seems excessive quite frankly were there 18 people in this movie (laughs) (laughs) no 
Some people died twice, yeah. don't you know? <laughs> Even though they looked kind of the same, apparently there was 18 people in this movie. Yeah. Now, as we know, one of the stars of the original 1974 Black Christmas was the good boy Claude. Damn it, Claude, look what you made me do. But Ryan, was there a Claude in this movie or what is our animal report? There is no Claude. Our animal report is is so fresh and clean that you literally can't even see it. It's see-through. It doesn't exist. In a world without animals. Well, if there are a lot of feelings to be had about this movie, at least none of them are about a dog being murdered in a car. Now, let's go ahead and get into our ratings. Black Xmas from 2006. X is for X-rated. Was it a hack or a slash? It's a hack for me, dog. Remakes and reboots can be great. The operative word being can. This is a case of a bad remake, as most horror remakes of this decade were. So I'm not surprised by it because I honestly think that era in film was not good. But yeah, characters I didn't really care about. Honestly, I couldn't figure out kind of who was who. Um, you know, the grittiness of the of the mid 2000s was evident in this film as well. They definitely made some choices in in this movie. You know, things were done, decisions were made, and unfortunately. The test of time is not passed. And uh, yeah, it's a hack. I'll get this out of the way. I'm watching this movie based on what it was. I wasn't it like I had my expectations, but clearly I found out that I needed to put those aside. And this might be something, you know, when we do our, you know, 2020 rewind, this might be a movie that I take away the slash from. Um, I don't know. It was just a fun movie to watch. It's not something that I'm going to take seriously. Um, star-studded cast, Harriet the Spy was in it. We have Gretchen Wieners in here. Yes, Gretchen Wieners. We have Wieners. so many people, like, and I'm obsessed, you know? And I like it. I, I'm just taking it for what it was. I, I got more than I wanted to. Um, I didn't need all the backstory. I didn't even need any of it, I don't think. I think I needed, like, a third, the first third. I don't know. It was just very topsy-turvy movie. Everything was going everywhere. And I think I had a week um, since I'd watched this because I watched it a little bit. Um, I, so I was removed from it a little bit. And I was, I was like, eh, it wasn't that bad. Catch me probably that night. I would have said something different. But I didn't think it was that bad. I think it's worth a watch. Operative word being that bad. <laughs> I think it's worth a watch. This is like one of those things where when you hack a movie, I'm going to look back on this and be like, but you slashed Black Christmas 2006. <laughs> is let it worse? be, let it be. It'll always it be what it be. Yeah, it's going to live with me forever. Yeah, this is uh this is a hack. Guys, there's a reason our lovely Chris continuously brings this movie up. Um I feel like it completely went the wrong way with what we wanted from the original. Obviously, I'm speaking for myself, but I think we wanted some story and like some building upon the first one. And what they gave us was this like insanity that just went down these roads that it didn't need to go down. And there's a point where I fully didn't understand what was happening. Like there are so many characters in this movie that like, I think, Mac, you kind of mentioned it. Like, there are people that just seem like the same. Or there's someone that was someone's mother, and I didn't even know it was their mother. And then I was like, wait, why are they doing that if that's their mother? And, and, and <laughs> it just, things things went way too far out of control. And um, it there wasn't a redeeming quality for me. There was one character that I kind of enjoyed in this movie. I think it, a little bit. And most of the time, she was drunk and asleep. So, <laughs> I mean, like, it is what it is. Um I, I just, I 
I think Chris has many times said like there's basically no redeeming quality to this movie. And I, I kind of have to agree. Yeah, Chris and I bonded over the fact that there's no redeeming qualities about this movie. Um, I remembered uh, this movie from 2006. I, the things I remember most were one of the kills and then a lot of the choices from the ending. And I remember them being very, what the fuck? They didn't make any damn bit of sense. Uh, and watching it this time, pretty much feel the same. Uh, but I was surprised because I, like Alexis, didn't think it was that bad. I actually had a lot of fun. Um, truly, every single kill is solid. What's happening? The gore is great. Don't do this. The girls in it, love them. Gretchen Wieners, Michelle Trachtenberg, Andrea Martin, with probably one of the most iconic deaths in horror movie history for me. Uh, This is something I remember and I have ingrained in my brain since 2006. Ultimately, the backstory, we got it. I'm not mad about it. I kind of like a lot of it. Uh, There's some choices that I'm like, no, that's so stupid, so over the top, so outrageous. But ultimately, I was entertained, I had fun, and this is a slash. That is the most disappointing slash you've ever given on this show, sir. I know. I (laughs) really thought I was going to hack this. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this movie being bullshit. (laughs) I mean, I'm happy you guys had a good time. Like, that's important in life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. However, liking most things about the backstory we got... I think when you mathematically break down the backstory, to say that you like the vast majority makes me concerned about what you liked about the backstory. Uh, not that part. <laughs> yeah, there's still plenty to dislike, sir. I just have two words. Skin cookies. That was one of the worst parts. <laughs> the backstory honestly felt like Florida Man. Like when I was watching it, it just felt like a Florida trailer to me. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, well, I can't wait to get to that backstory. Obviously, everyone sees this coming, but I need to be perfectly clear and where I stand on this movie, uh, because I did want to give it another shot. We all know how I feel about Rob Zombie's Halloween and my intense hate for it, right? Like, that's just, ugh. So I felt like, you know what? I should I should go into this, give it a fair shot. Our patron Spencer pointed out, like, the house is gorgeous on the outside, feels a lot like Christmas. The movie's not not pretty in some in some ways, in some spaces. But ultimately, this movie is absurdly frustrating to me on many levels. It had the chance to take everything that was incredible about the original and elevate it or just focus on the essence of it, but it botched it and attempts to give little nods to the original in this movie, except it misses the point. It fundamentally lacks the soul of Black Christmas. This is the shitty product of studio interference. And I want to just read you this quote from Glenn Morgan who's the director of this film, from when he was asked whether or not he was happy with the results. Now, I am redacting one line from this quote to avoid spoilers for our friends who haven't seen this. No way, and it's schizophrenic because Bob Weinstein came in and urinated on it. Really, there was a time where torture porn was the hot thing. You know, I became friends with Bob Clark. You can throw that movie into one of your first questions. I loved that movie. And also Christmas Story, and I learned a lot from Bob and had his blessing that we were trying to make a version that he didn't get to deal with, the background of the killers, and stuff like that. He then goes on to describe Bob Weinstein intervening and wanting a specific death, handled a specific way, and he continues with, It was humiliating. It was horrible. I stayed to try and protect the cast and crew, friends of mine, and I ended up taking it on the chin. This man's career ended after this movie, by the way, because of how it flopped. And I think Glenn says it best, but I'll just leave you with this. And I hope you understand the gravity of the situation for this movie if I'm going to these lengths to describe my scoring. The 2006 Black Christmas remake is a hack 
and it is undoubtedly the most unsatisfying remake I've ever seen. And yes, as of right now, it even ranks lower than Rob Zombie's Halloween. There I said it, fucking hurts my soul to say it, but it's out there. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're here to share that with us, Chris. Listen, I agree that this movie is both <laughs> dumb and bad, yes, but I had fun. Exactly. is That's where I'm coming from. I, You know what? I love Black Christmas too much to even entertain the idea of having fun with this nonsense. I don't <laughs> love Black Christmas at all so far, and I still didn't have fun. None of them. So... Whatever that means. It reminds me of Kevin Smith talking about when he was going to make uh, Superman Lives and then Studio Interference ruined it. Like, oh, we want Superman to wear an all black suit. We want there to be a giant mechanical spider that he has to fight. It's a great story. Honestly, you should, you should look it up on YouTube. But ultimately, I, I don't know if it's the producer or whoever he was talking to went and then made you know a film that had the features he was looking for with the giant mechanical spider. In Wild Wild West. So, yeah, studio interference is a real thing and it's real bad. Yeah. See, and, and here's the thing, right? I'm not one to really drag many movies through the mud. And I'm very, very forgiving about a lot of things. And I know that there are a lot of people out there that like this movie. A lot of people who look back and say, oh, it's not that bad. If mathematically I could just like keep a score of all the terrible things about this movie, it is overwhelmingly bad for me. But with that, Black Xmas from 2006 has earned three hacks and two sloshes to wind down our very last movie of 2020. What a way to go. <laughs> Skin cookies and all. Oops. You can find this movie in a few different places, but give it a watch, stew in your thoughts, and then join us in the second half so we can break it down. See you in a bit. Does your belly have too much bilirubin? Is your baby as yellow as an Ohio cornfield? Take two, be gondis, and call me in the morning. John, this is a thing of the past, thanks to this amazing new supplement. Avoid a lifelong obsession with skin cookies and sorority sister stocking with just two pills a day. Look like you're full of piss? Take this, be gondis. All right, welcome back. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Black Christmas from 2006. Now, obviously, there are 18 deaths in this movie, and if there's one thing we can all agree on, uh, despite its varying levels of quality overall as a film, the gore was intense. So, Alexis, what's our gore score? Yeah, this is really intense. Uh, super high, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot going on, a lot of cannibalism. You know, there's there, it's 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 definitely there, and I appreciate it because that's what I wanted in the first um, in the '74 version, and I freaking got it. And Chris, I know you and Mac were talking about you know this uh, studio interference, and it kind of transfers over into the gore too. Um, Melissa's original death was Agnes placing a bag over her head and ripping out <laughs> her eye and dragging her down the hall by her eye socket as she's screaming helplessly. So Dimension Films uh, reportedly forced Glenn Morgan to film this scene. Morgan decided to reshoot her death as a previous one wasn't creative enough um, to escaping the bag and being chased into her room and having part of her head sliced off by the ice skate, which is what you currently see in this movie um, as well. This was a film behind the studio's back 
the eye socket and being pulled. That's what you see in the UK version, but clearly in the US version, you see the ice skate, which is kind of lame in my opinion. But um, what? I get it. I get. I don't know. The mushy f- head? Like That's one of the only good things about the movie. Yeah, but I, I don't know. The, the iconic scene of the bag, I just think of how menacing it seemed in the first one that it just, to me, didn't live up to like this like hype. But they did it okay, twice. So, right. Yeah. Oh, they did it Wait, several more times. More than twice. Yeah. yeah. They overused it and did it badly. Okay, but hear me out. A year or two before this came out, Michelle Trachtenberg was in a movie called Ice Princess where she was an ice Mm -hmm. skater. So for her to be killed with the ice skate was just very satisfying to me. Oh, good, good. (laughs) A great moment. And when pressed for compliments, I have only that one and a couple others so we'll keep pressing <laughs> we will keep pressing um i know paris had mentioned these skin cookies which i absolutely loved you know you see these like creepy things and you're just like how the heck um well uh, bacon was used as a garnish uh while they were uh, making these christmas cookies um the when you see in the cannibal cookie scene which i thought was really interesting wow Okay, look, skin cookies, I get it. Filleting the back, (laughs) bacon in the oven, whatever. Did not need to see the close-up of Billy eating literally fucking anything at all. Yeah. Disgusting. It was gross. Yeah, it was it was kind of creepy. It was kind of creepy. I, I creepy. think he looked <laughs> just oddly you think satisfying creepy, sexy, a little bit. Alexis. <laughs> he would have been had I not seen him yellow. He would have gotten daddy vibes in this one, but not with his I could see that maybe. Uh, he is a daddy. Literally. He's a daddy. He's his sister's daddy. But honestly, during the during the skin cookie scene, for some reason I thought of like a young Alexis with her easy bake oven. <laughs> I did have one. Those are my favorite things to do. I should have made it like that. Yeah. You definitely shouldn't or you'd be in jail. (laughs) There's a reason. Mom, I need some uh, help with this. Come here and bring the knife. Mom, you got any scabs? Wow. (laughs) I cut off my sister's hair and used it. You have a pound of flesh you don't need, right? (laughs) I have to prepare myself for Hannibal Lecter. So um, I hate to steal Paris' thunder because um, he was talking about how how iconic this scene is. But to me, it's very iconic um, in its own sense because I lived in Ohio. But um, Miss Mrs. Max's death uh, with the falling icicle that impales her, that's like... I love it. I just remember going outside of my house as a kid and just seeing them all. And I really was like, hmm, I wonder these could kill you. Or honestly, I was more worried about my dogs who like peed on the side of the house instead of because, you know, dogs aren't <laughs> walking very far in like three feet of snow. Uh, this is also as a reference from the movie A Christmas Story where the lead character is warned by his mother. You know, those icicles have been known to kill people, which is an accurate an accurate depiction and actually really does happen and does kill people. So I like that for that kill for many reasons. Yeah, you know, if the if the skull and the tissue is soft enough, it can definitely happen. I gotta say, Miss Miss Max's death was my favorite, only because at least she didn't go out to shitty Billy or Agnes. Okay. <laughs> Stole my favorite. Went out on her own terms. You, you just robbed me, Chris. That was also my favorite. Wow. I thought of 18 deaths. I picked the one that wasn't even killed by the killers, and y'all picked the same one. Oh, okay. No. It's so good. It's Final yeah. Destination quality. Yeah, it is. Yeah, with a lot of Final Destination actresses in this movie, too. I would just like to know, I, I actually hardly remember that even happening. It was quick, and it was like a two for one. My favorite kill was... Billy on the Christmas tree because it meant 
this was finally over. <laughs> <laughs> nice little punctuation at the end. Uh? Yes, it didn't. It was not one of those ones. I was like, is he going to die, though? It was like, no, he's dead. It's poor, over. Poor Billy got violated one last time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Organs coming all out of the body. I got to tell you, though, least favorite. And this is, I think, what set the tone. And I was so blind and naive in 2006. The beginning death, Claire. First off, they just dispatched her so quickly. And it's like, oh, I don't like this. But okay, this must mean here's your here's your old. We're just going to give you straight up new. But then they just keep fucking interjecting old and then it gets weird. It was this unceremonious dispatch of the first kill, which is one of the most iconic kills from the original. And it's a total fake out. And I hate it because then they don't even fake it out well. They don't have her like creep up and be lured to the closet. It's just this, oh, I go back. Oh, you remember how the camera lingered and uh, we just saw that pen there and now, oop, <laughs> it's not there. I'm feeling around. It's not there. Oh, shit. We already saw someone under the bed. It just felt fucking underwhelming. And I was like, God, why Why do you have to ruin it this way? Yeah, I totally agree. And um, one of my least favorite things was, th- I've already said this a little bit, but the number of eyeballs that we saw, like, why did every character have to have their eyeballs ripped out and like eaten? And it, it just, it did nothing for me. I've, I've never felt so. And let me be clear. I'm a person that has an issue with like eyeballs. Like, like I'm, I'm cool with a lot of guts and gore and all that type of stuff. But have you ever seen somebody get LASIK surgery? Have you ever watched a video? It's horrific. That doesn't, it, that doesn't bother me, but like knives by your eyes, you know, I don't know. Eyeballs are weird, but, um, it, this movie didn't even didn't even hit on my phobia, my my thing that bothers me. It was just <laughs> a lot of plastic eyeballs. I thought the eyeballs looked pretty good. But, you know, we've talked about Andrea Martin's icicle kill. We talked about Michelle Trachtenberg's ice skating kill. Uh, I'm going to give a little runner up and a shout out to Gretchen Wieners being killed with a garden claw uh, because that was very satisfying to me as well. It was so low effort. It was so unsatisfying to yeah. me. Yeah. Okay, but here, here's the thing, right? Earlier in the movie, she talks about, I want to bury the hatchet with my sister. And then it like zooms in underneath her dramatically as she pauses <laughs> in her head. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I see what you're trying to do with the dialogue, right? Because she also gets something buried in her fucking head. But mishandled in the foreshadowing and then underwhelming at, at the end, which sucks because I love that actress. And I don't disagree with the idea of, of the kill Paris because it's something that could have been really, really cool. It was just the unceremonious like, dunk. It's underwhelming. I want to bury the hatchet in her head on this Black Christmas. <laughs> That's how it felt. Do you know that later, <laughs> later there will be something in her head? Also, I, I love her and I've seen her in many different things. But now watching this again, I could only see Meg from Family Guy. All I could see. That's awesome. Oh, true. But only the first season. That's yeah, a deep cut. Real deep cut. She will live and die as Gretchen Wieners. I will say, as much as uh, I adore her, she didn't win extra points in this movie for me. Lacey was present in what I think was one of my favorite scenes. And it's a stretch to even call it a favorite scene. Because really, I just have a couple moments that I really like. Love, Lauren, shit-talking Christmas when she's drunk on the couch. And (laughs) before that, her being endearing and acknowledging Kelly was probably an only child. And then later on, Mrs. Mack talking shit when Heather didn't know what a snow brush was. <laughs> Three little vignettes. That was hilarious. I forgot about that part. My favorite in this in this film, it's a weird reason, but the gift giving scene, I think, was an improvement only because the girls gave Mrs. Mack a much better gift this time. The sexy negligee. 
Yeah. Like big improvement over the weird gown they gave her in the in the original. Okay, but when she said, "Does it also come with a man to wear it for?" That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Martin needed more comedy moments in this. That's something they didn't tap into enough. I think she could have worn it for two thousand six. Me, just saying. Okay. 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 That's. A direction. Listen, she would rock that. I think we can all agree. Yeah. I don't want to know about 2006 Mac. I like 2020 <laughs> Mac. <laughs> I was in the middle of my college years. Well, no, I was in the beginning of my seven year stint at failing out of college. Um, but I was fit and um, like, you know, like like athletically fit and fairly attractive and pretty popular with the ladies. So in it was a bad time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you're like 18 when you go to college, The right? phrase, yeah. pretty popular with the ladies, yeah. really, he really loves to show that photo, you know? Andrew Martin could, in fact, have worn this for him. It would have been age appropriate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was still an adult at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, for me, my favorite scene is really all of the flashbacks. I felt like Billy's mom as a character was so deranged and all of the things that made Billy what he was made sense you know uh i got nothing in the first one as to who the fuck is billy and why and then yeah we definitely get too much the jaundice way overboard ridiculously like highlighter yellow over the top but ultimately like the abuse uh the crazy shit that he went through as a child like being trapped in like a crawl space in the attic um I enjoyed the flashbacks specifically because of the mom she was kind of a really interesting character except obviously the part where she had sex with her son that that was not my favorite that was very weird <laughs> she was trash for no reason also clearly was just cool with her son being in the attic as as a in existence right she was insane and horrible but that's yeah. what makes a billy you no. know what i mean it was so bad it was an excessive assembly of how many layers tall can we make this shit sandwich like, that's what it was. Like, <laughs> give, him, give him a weird mom, right? Like, because, you know, that's the core of Norman Bates, right? One of the most iconic killers. His mother, even though they had what is conceivably a more positive relationship than Billy and his mother, is a, a different kind of abuse. You can go in the ab- abusive background route, sure, but the layers... Of complexity there, like, it is, um, not only was he an unwanted child, he was a jaundiced child. And not only was he a jaundiced <laughs> child, he was a favored child by the man she hated and wanted to murder. Not only that, he witnessed the murder. Not only that, he, <laughs> he was banished to the addict. Not only that, her boyfriend couldn't get it up, and so she had to get her fixed with her own son. Not only that, he followed her, her baby, and then he decided to take action, and oh my god, it was just so fucking much. It was so much. It was a lot. But some of it I liked. <laughs> I also really need to say two small things. One, babies have jaundice quite frequently. And yeah, it is I had not, it. not a reason to hate your child, okay? Yeah. That my, woman my was cousin, not well. My cousin, I have a cousin. They used to have to sit him in front of the window so he could just chill in some sunlight a little bit. Because <laughs> babies just be jaundiced sometimes, bro. They, oh. just, they were just created. They just became a thing nine months ago. I don't think that's why she hated him. I think she hated him because he reminded her of her husband. They made a point. Also, he had severe jaundice. Either. Not only did she hate he was her radioactive. husband, he was a jaundiced baby. He was imperfect. Oh, my God. Mm. And also, listen, I know... I don't have a favorite scene for this movie. I do, however, want to bring up, since we're talking about the backstory, why did the dates not at all line up with the original movie? 
if we're going based on the original story and there's like a guy that like lived in this house, why are the dates not add up at all? It doesn't make any sense. Well, it wasn't supposed to be the original story. I understand it's not like necessarily supposed to be the original story, but it's clearly building from the original. And so to, to go out of your way to give all of this dates when it could have just been like some time ago and then after that, <laughs> it was like 1970, 1973, September 1st. Like, why? Why is that a thing? Sorry. So story-wise, the first movie is completely separate from this. The spree that he goes on is like killing his own family. I understand that it's separate. Right. It's clearly intended to make a callback to it in a way. Not to be a sequel, but in a way. It's just annoying. They didn't have to. Yeah. Like, they're trying to give background to a killer. They chose specific dates within the 70s, probably to make him a certain age to follow his yeah. own sister. However, oh God, it's all gray is what it is. And I don't think we needed nearly even half of it. I don't think we needed it. This movie and Rob Zombie's Halloween both prove that too much backstory is a bad thing. The other faceless killer that we get, like Michael Myers, you get some backstory, but you don't get too much. Maybe in other films, maybe in later installments. But even then, like if you go back to the first couple of films with Michael Myers, they get to be, you know, this faceless killer that you don't feel like you know, like when their dad was taking a crap when they were seven or something. And but this this movie has to go that far and be like, right. at age eight, his father went into the restroom and took a poop. And it's just like <laughs> we don't come on, like we don't have like. to go that far. The thing they gave background to was the dialogue from the original movie, right? So, what your mother and I must know is... And then it's what, her, his fucking mother's boyfriend, Billy, what your mother and I must know is... It's like, you're you're not going to say that in these circumstances. So you picked weird circumstances to bring up this dialogue, and it falls flat. And then additionally, that first phone call, you guys know, I am very much a stickler for when remakes botch quotes that are great in the original. Yeah, what was the quote test this time? I'm going to kill you. It was the first phone call. The first phone call that comes 20 minutes into this movie. In the original, it's all obscenity, and then Barb talks back and says some shit to him, and then he just goes silent for the briefest second and says, I'm going to kill you. And this time, it's just, talking, 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 I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it's fucking weird. See, Chris, that was a really good impression for me of the original. Because <laughs> that's what I heard with those phone calls. None of the calls were great in either of these movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not wrong. You know, it wasn't super great. Was the look of the movie, honestly, not my favorite because of the era that it's made in. Feels like other CW-inspired movies of this decade. I think... I had a hard time finding something super amazing. Obviously, it's an improvement. It's been a long time since the 70s, so it, it does look a bit cleaner, but it still looks just that false grittiness. But the audio was a huge upgrade for me. So not the oh, not the actual God. yeah, not the actual look of it, but at least I could hear it this time. I got more Christmas vibes from this movie. I the reds really stuck out, like the colors were really vibrant in this movie. And visually, like I, I just love this um idea of Billy crawling down this wall and Agnes um crawling up the crawling up the wall. And to me that's terrifying. And I just like the way they they pulled that off and I just like the look of that scene it was it, it, honestly if there was anything terrifying about this movie that would put me in the position where I would be terrified that is true I do mm -hmm. agree even when he did it when he was young when he crawled up there the first time 
it was super creepy. Like just the way he crawled up. Did they borrow space. the boy from this? Movie? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so many boy vibes. Yeah, being inside the walls like that is spooky, especially when there's two people coming at you from above and below. But for me, my favorite visual has to go to our really completely unnecessary throwaway character, Eve. Uh, her decapitated head in the snow, like that was just a beautiful frame. Um, I I would print that out and put it on my wall. That's a weird one to frame. <laughs> uh, again, when when pressed for a compliment for this movie, I will do. I will say they did wonders technically with their lighting, uh, mostly the Christmas lights. Lots of Christmas lights, very pretty. We did enjoy that. But also, her name was Eve, like Christmas Eve. Oh yes, yes. Christmas <laughs> is murdered. Black Christmas is murdered, quite frankly. <laughs> but when houses lose power in movies, but it still looks good on the inside, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, also, just remembering, one of the best things is when the house does lose power and they're in front of the laptop and the laptop old school screensaver because it's disconnected from its power supply, comes back away to alert you with some battery power and she sees the sex tape. Although the sex tape angle was completely unnecessary and irrelevant to the movie. Yes, and I didn't even understand which people were in the sex tape. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like a girl with a professor and then this guy shows up and then they keep like looking at, the, he keeps looking at the computer and I'm like, I don't understand what that is. It clearly doesn't look anything like you. And I don't know who she is. And I don't know who this chick is because that's your girlfriend. I don't know who anybody is. It's a complicated love triangle because, you know, you can't have an early 2000s movie without having some kind of jealousy mixed in. Or just it's as if like normal people don't record themselves having sex. I think that's a issue. Like the way that was handled, that dynamic when she found out, it's like. Sometimes things happen to people and things get posted online against your will. Yeah. However, her attitude towards her is like, you're even the kind of guy who would have tapes. And it's like, you don't know at this moment that it's not consensual since it's on Megan's computer in Megan's room and she was looking yeah. at it. You don't know that it wasn't consensual. She didn't even say like, when is this from? <laughs> right. she, you know, there was like nothing. She's just like, oh, I hate you. And I was just like, well, I mean, he was a person before he met you. You went zero to 100 from loving him a second yeah. ago. Mm -hmm. Okay, but back then, sex tapes were like a huge scandal. I feel like there was a big taboo around that that's changed so much since then. Like, I remember there was a girl in our high school who like, she was one of the more popular girls. And then this rumor got out that there was a, a videotape of her putting different things in different places. And then she was ruined from then on. Yes, but also... <laughs> You should treat people that you care about with respect enough to be like, tell me what happened here. Like, oh, for yeah. sure. He didn't do anything. I feel like we weren't that evolved back then. Yeah. I don't know. No, this is still a weird ass reaction from someone you love. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're in college. It probably doesn't mean much. There's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a point to that. But still. Means enough when you're like, oh, it's our first Christmas together. We should be together. It's your first Christmas together. You should was, not be oh together. Oh, my God. You're, I'm your family now. Like. Sir? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sir? I'm the captain now. Look at me. They kept saying that one. <laughs> Overall, with this movie, I do I do struggle. But again, I don't really like to spend many episodes just totally trashing a movie. The best part of this movie is Andrea Martin as Mrs. Mack because she's a hmm. gem. And apart from her, I think second best would be Crystal Lowe as Lauren, a.k.a. knockoff Barb. Uh, because even though there's no way she could even... Compared to Barb and Margot Kidder, uh, she was still a nice little comedic break from the rest of this movie. Yeah, she was the only one that didn't annoy me. Everyone else annoyed me, like drove me insane. Everything they said, I was just like, why? Why are we doing this? 
yes. All the like casual conversation. They're like, this is a, this is a pagan holiday. And like just going on and on about stuff. I was like, okay, okay. She was the only relief. The best part for me was the way the movie handled not having the police involved. They could have gone the same way as the first movie where they involved them and there was some comedy or whatever it was, but they just omitted it and they did it in a way that made sense inside of the story even though it didn't make sense in real life, which is fine. But I, I think it added up inside the film itself, which is okay. Because if it didn't, if there was like, oh, we forgot to call the cops, then I would have been like, come on. That's the first thing you're going to do. Are you talking about the news clip where they were saying, local calls will work, but you'll find your distance calls won't work. <laughs> like <laughs> That and right. like trying to call in and they're overwhelmed with calls. Ah, uh, like, yes, like that yes, was, yes. See, that was, that was a good way to just like write it out. They'll be here in two hours. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You're in a queue right now, so. I mean, it, it do be like that sometimes, to be fair. Exactly. You're right. You have a good Shout point. Shout out to Michelle Trachtenberg for recognizing the point to just call the police. Right. Smart smart, smart first move. Got to say that. But it's it's good the way they kind of just wrote it out real quick. I agree. Um, I forgot that there was not 30 minutes of call tracing in this movie, uh, and I appreciate that. Um, but things I didn't appreciate are pretty numerous in this movie it wasn't great like i've said it is dumb a lot of the choices are bad choices like the whole sex tape storyline including the dad from scream queens his whole thing you could have just deleted it and i would have been fine um the mom having sex with billy no thank you the overdone jaundice um and then really almost all of agnes was very rough you know she didn't have jaundice and then all of a sudden she did and also she's a man um, that was very bizarre to me in 2006. And even now I'm like, why was this character played by a man? Uh, so those things are very much not good for me. And the weird thing is they thought, they were like, oh, we want Agnes to be androgynous. But y- you didn't find someone androgynous. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it's not androgynous at all. You put a man in a bad wig. Paris could have been a better Agnes. <laughs> Paris could have been androgynous. Oh, have you seen him as Hannah Montana Belector? Of course he could have. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, to go along with that, Paris, uh, Billy just, I mean, I didn't get any originality from his character at all. Like, it was just, you know, the same sexually abused character that has this, you know, deformity that, you know, like, Oh, wait, hold on. We're going to sprinkle one more thing in. He's also a cannibal. Like, it was just like stacking his care, like his characterization. And I was just like, okay, I get it. I, I, I really get it. Um, so that was just like a pain point for me that also had to deal with his character as well. Oh my God. He's like a fucking choose your own adventure of horror movie characters. Yes, exactly. And also he didn't have like any significance on screen. Everyone just talked about him. Like he didn't, I mean, he did a little at the end but he basically did nothing like basically the whole movie was like oh but billy's here and then the whole story about billy but it wasn't billy it was agnes like the entire time yeah yeah also he snuck out in a fucking santa suit and some guy looked right at him and said oh yeah the john de santa <laughs> of course this makes perfect <laughs> yeah so i just that was what i was just about to bring up is we're glossing over the beginning of this movie in the freaking in the prison where they're just the guys just the prison guard just opens the door like oh this guy tries to escape every single christmas let me open the door it just seems like a good idea we'll just open the door yeah. open the door and look around and they get stabbed by a candy cane yeah how did they not know about the candy canes you know that it can turn sharp because you eat them yourself and they always turn into weapons he held the door wait. open with a juice box yeah. wait i'm sorry 
Paris, how do you eat candy? Yeah, candy canes? do you just bite it? Do you bite candy canes? He doesn't suck it to a point. Are we are we accepting the fact that a candy cane could kill someone? Because I thought that was ridiculously un- oh, unrealistic. No, candy is hard. No, that's totally. Have you ever, you haven't an, sucked it sharp enough? Have icicle? you? That was so thin at the tip, though. It would have snapped. It did snap. You didn't hear the snap. It just penetrated enough, and you probably hit the right spot. Oh my god. Okay, I thought that, and then I also thought the icicle thing was completely impossible too, and that's what made it funny. But apparently, that's real. Yeah, it's a plausible story if your tissue is soft enough. I watched enough Mythbusters to know that if anything comes to you and hits you at the right velocity, you can die. So, yeah, ridiculous jail scene. (laughs) Ridiculous jail scene. But you remember the guard more than you remember the other characters in the film. No, I remember the nurse that that the the disgusting Santa is talking to. Uh, Yeah, yeah. exactly. You remember these side characters from like the first 10 Uh minutes of the film more than you remember all the sorority sisters. Absolutely. I don't even remember how many there were. Yeah. Uh, Several. And here's the other problem, right? The, in the original, you had sorority sisters who felt just like women who were just perfectly normal, had their own normal interactions. Uh, And here you have women who have probably some good relationships, but you reduced their characters down to like cattiness. And I have a problem with that. Where I have issues with Rob Zombie, and again, I don't have any issue with cursing, right? But an overuse of the word fuck in the Halloween 2007 version. This one had an overuse of the word bitch, and then you insert Kyle uh, calling all the women bitches multiple times in degrading ways. She said, fuck all you bitches, spoiled ass bitches. It's like, yeah, this is a, this movie's a product of its time, and it doesn't, it wasn't good then, and it's not good now. They hollowed out the best thing about Black Christmas. It's feminism. Let's just say the 2000s weren't a great time for feminism. (laughs) No, they were not. I'd agree, yeah. (laughs) And that truly removes its watch value for me, let alone rewatch value. Because I think as a movie on its own, there's better places to go for entertainment. Especially if you're looking for a movie like Black Christmas, because you could just watch Black Christmas. So it doesn't really add anything to that idea. I think as a standalone, I'd watch it again in a few years. I think I would. It was a fun. It was fun. You slashed it, so you probably will. I would like to say that I have spent this entire podcast trashing this movie. And I usually don't do that. And I don't feel regret about it. But I won't be rewatching it, of course. Oh, I thought you were going to say you would. I was like, oh, that's a twist. <laughs> no, no, no. I just wanted to, I just kind of wanted to apologize for being so bad on this movie. But I, I just got to be what I be. <laughs> Usually we don't lo- exude levels of toxicity. And that's probably just led the charge by me tonight. But I just, I can't. <laughs> I have feelings about this movie that I can, I cannot contain. Listen, I don't think Alexis or I slash this movie because it's fantastic. <laughs> it's just fun, you know? And for me, this is actually. If I had to pick one like holiday horror movie to watch, it would be this one, um, which gives me a lot of hope for the newest iteration of Black Christmas because it seems like they're just getting better. Uh, let me know how that goes for you. Uh, I'm so excited. Ryan hacked it and I slashed it. It does something. It did. It's you should watch it. It did something, <laughs> but I don't know. It does not repeat the same mistakes as this movie for sure. Not the same. Definitely different. Or the original. Or the original. Yep, different. Completely, definitely a different movie. Love it. For sure. Now, uh, obviously, all of these movies are very different from each other, but let's see what fun facts Mac has dug up for Factor Fiction. This was Lacey Chabert's first horror film. I'm going to say fiction. I can see her being a horror girl in her younger years. 
I'm going to say fact because I feel like this is her younger years. <laughs> fact. Yeah, this is fact. The other actors in the film were involved in horror before this, but Lacey, not so much. Number two. Agnes is portrayed in the third act by cameraman Dean Friss, who would play the cello on filming breaks to entertain the crew. The cello. Ugh, fiction. I played cello. Cello is not that entertaining. <laughs> you play cello? I can play the cello. I can play Ode to Joy. Oh, wow. Right now, if you need me to. And a viola. A renaissance woman of many talents. <laughs> Didn't say it'd be good. I'm thinking fact, because this did look like a cameraman. Fact. It is a fact. Everything in there is a fact. He's a oh. cameraman. Yeah. Um, so he was originally cast as Billy with no <laughs> acting experience, uh, but he was recast as Agnes. And as all of you have mentioned, I'm not sure why. Garen, that good old Black Christmas tradition of you know making the camera operator the killer for some of the scenes. I'm down for that, especially when he has that like 80s hair, ba- hair band hair. Hair band hair? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a yep. band hair. He has fried hair and he got fried too. So. Yeah. <laughs> now, number three, while it was hard for me to keep up with all the characters in this film, imagine keeping up with all the stunt actors. Each actor had their own matching stunt actor. Fiction. Fiction. I feel like some of these chicks got hit. Fiction, because I feel like what stunts were there really? <laughs> it is fiction. The actors portraying the sorority sisters did all their own stunts. Yeah, not surprised. Number four, Amanda Seafried, the Karen for Mean Girls, auditioned for the role of Kelly, but wasn't chosen because of Lacey Chabert. Fiction. I'll go fact. I'm going to say fact. It is a fact. Not because of drama, though. Because the filmmakers didn't want two actors from Mean Girls. I don't know why. On Wednesdays, we were pink. No, that makes so much sense. No, they didn't need to. Then it would be like spoofy Mean Girls. Mean Girls is too iconic. I would have actually loved if she was in it. I mean, it can't be worse. It's okay. She did get some action in Jennifer's body and was great in it. So she's, she's had her own thing going. Number five. The filmmakers originally planned to bring back the best character from the original, Claude the Cat. But unfortunately... They had to be without for a goodness due to Katie Cassidy's unfortunate allergy. Fact. Uh, fact, I guess. But also they don't care enough, I'm sure. Yeah, fiction. That woman in Candyman had a ridiculous bee allergy and we saw what they did to her. She yeah. ate them. <laughs> yeah, the 2000s are a more sensitive time that's totally insensitive in all the wrong ways, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was fiction. I made it up. Seriously, though, why did we not get more Claude? Because he's a little prick. Look what you made me do. (laughs) Well, that's been Fact or Fiction. Oh, there we have it, folks. Black Christmas from 2006 has taken us out on quite the note here. We have three hacks and two slashes. Uh, Give this movie a watch. There's certainly a lot of feelings out there. Uh, If you do watch the Black Christmas I Gave You My Heart special over on our Patreon, I promise you uh, it's a look at the franchise, but you won't have quite this passionate hate for me. I promise I'll be more respectful. There's a lot of ways you can reach out to us. We want to know what you think, so... One of those ways starts with our website, hackerslash.com. And on our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you feel like there were way too many unicorn figurine kills in this movie, you can reach out to our Hackerslash hotline. You can leave us a voicemail at 757-606-0128 or visit hackerslash.com slash contact to send us an audio message, especially if you're not in America. Shout out to you. Or if you've been hit in the head by an icicle, you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. Ooh, ghost emails. Have you enjoyed listening to our podcast? Consider becoming one of our patrons. You can visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. Perks like the Hacker Slash Rewind, where we talk about the original Black Christmas with our current cast. We'll see you next time. Bye, suckers. Bye.